0: This is the word of the Lord, Mark 10, 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Jenny. Well, hello, everyone. Great to see you here. Um, And hello online. Good morning and good evening. Um, My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. You may have seen me on a big screen on uh Christmas Eve for a few few minutes and um no it's uh and yeah obviously again just hello on online there we want to just let you know we we see you and uh we again want to wish you a happy new Year's We all continue to uh just to to trust in the Lord and the work that he's doing uh in us and among us and um and uh we we just encourage you to re- reach out to us. If you have any questions or anything like that. Um, and while I'm, I'm just gonna ask right now before I forget, hey guys, can you turn the lights up? Oh, they're, uh, they're up there. They're getting them going. So there we go. I gotta be able to see you here. Um, also, I, uh, I I wanna let you know I stutter. So that's just like how I introduce myself to people. Um, no, but just if you're new or you've never heard me preach, I wanna make sure that you know that and you're not uh, caught off guard. And I wanna give you a couple of things um, to make you aware of. That are exciting um that, that we have going on around Redemption Church as a as a whole. So um one of them is next week, January 10th. Uh Redemption is planting uh Redemption North Mountain. So they've been in the planting process for a number of months, and uh and then next week will be their first um uh Sunday where they they begin uh, kind of their their consistent routine. So they're going to be planting. In fact, one of their uh, members, Joe, came down to be with us here. So Joe, great to have you here, and yeah, so good to have um, some Redemption North Mountain uh, here among us. And and I just encourage us when we're able to go and support them and be praying for them. And we'll say some about that next week. Also, what's so cool, Joe and I were actually talking about this earlier. Is next week is Redemption Churches. 10-year anniversary. So that's another. Yeah, we can clap for that too, right? Um, Also very exciting, just God's faithfulness in planting um, in 10 years, uh, 10 congregations Throughout Arizona, and uh, we'll, we'll be celebrating that. We'll even have some shirts next week, and um, just yeah, excited to um, to celebrate that. So we'll talk some more about that, as well as we'll get into John again next week. So this week is kind of a standalone. We'll be diving back into John next week. So this week we all um, meet me in Mark chapter ten, and let me pray for our time here together, and uh, we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, we, we need you as we just sing about, Lord, I, I pray that as we enter this new year, that even this time, this evening in your word will, will remind us. I pray that you will strike us anew in our need for you and our commitment to depend on you or to be um, expectant that by your Holy Spirit, we will faithfully walk as your people. And so we pray and we trust that you have said that though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. And so, Lord, I pray that again by your Holy Spirit, you will do a work in us even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you, how do you feel about work? How do you feel about hard work? I, I hate it, <laughs> all right? um i I have kind of a love hate relationship with it, and it's it's weird um but once I dive into something, I find myself obsessing and and I find myself just wanting to do the next thing i, I shared a couple of weeks ago that I'm not super handy. Well, you might be uh of me to hear that I changed out a, a ceiling fan um in our house, which was massive for me because okay, it was a big deal. Um, it took all day. I had some people on, you know, FaceTime. I was showing things. Um, had to take it down multiple times. We're trying to hold it up. My arms are shaking. It was nuts. So what did I do? Um, and now let me say too, just because my daughter's here, that whose r- room it was in, it was on her floor for like month, a year maybe. I don't know. It was there. She stepped in Yeah, it didn't break. So I was like, all right, we gotta gotta get this thing up. So. A couple days later, what I do, I ordered three more (laughs) ceiling fans because I noticed, wow, every other, you know, we have one that's there that doesn't even work. There's no light for it. All the chains broke off. So our like that room is completely dark. And we had like half our rooms were that way. So we finally were able to get some more fans. So now I'm like, all right, I'm on a roll now. And now, of course, I notice every imperfection in the house, every fan that needs to be dusted and or replaced. And, you know, the next thing that needs to be done and the next thing. And I just find myself getting Caught up in it and in, in in what needs to be fixed. Now you might not relate with me on that front, but this day, right, New Year's, it's and it's New Year's the second day. I was always wondering who starts their New Year's like re- re- resolutions on the first. Anyone does it? Because especially if it's to like eat better. I'm like, all right, I'm going hard eating, you know, pretzel bites and cheese dip and, you know, soda up until midnight. And then all of a sudden you're just going to shock the system. So I think, I think January 1st counts, you know, that's a part of the new year, New Year's Eve. So the second though, right, that's a whole different story, new day. But, right, what's behind that? And I don't want this to be a, you know, New Year's, how to make your new year better, or how to whatever, five easy steps to self-help, whatever. Or I don't want to try to convince you not to. But it does reveal something about us, right? That many of us, myself included, it's a good time to kind of evaluate and say, oh, yeah, I want to, I want to fix a few things. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> tell myself that fixing things, recognizing the need for getting better, for growing is good. That comes from a good place. But believing that we, through our own effort, can ultimately fix ourselves is utterly futile. It, not only because it will leave you come, you know, whatever, February 15th, whoa, whenever the gyms start going back to normal, you know, like not only because you will be frustrated, but also because ultimately it, it continues a spiritual uh, place of brokenness where we believe that we have the capacity to fix ourselves, to do what needs to be done. All throughout scripture, there's this narrative, this story of humans trying to self-help, to work our way back to God from the Tower of Babel is humans' effort trying to build something where they don't need God. They can replace God. They can get to the heavens, if you will, on their own. If you're familiar with the statue of David, you know, the who is that? Michelangelo? The, the statue, David, something that I pointed out or that I read um, Francis Schaeffer's book, um, How Then Shall We Live? I always forget how the title goes. It's oddly worded. I think it's How Then Shall We Live? But in it, he points out that during that time that, that Michelangelo made the statue with massively big hands. And that the whole point in that is that human and let's just be honest okay, we can chuckle like normally in our day we don't notice we don't look at the hands right no one notices the hands it's a naked statue but his point was mankind has the capacity the power to do what we will and in fact that's why the whole statue is not even finished cuz it's to have this idea that he's like building himself up he's 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 he's, he's, he's establishing his future with the power of his own hands, right? With the intellectual capacity that he brings, with his own hard work. And so what I want us to do in this New Year's, this kind of standalone sermon, is to look together honestly at two contrasting stories of Jesus, back-to-back, interacting with people and revealing, again, the futility, the hopelessness in trying to fix ourselves and the power and hope in surrendering completely to him. So with that, meet me, as I said, in Mark chapter 10, and we'll pick up with the first of Jesus's interactions. Mark chapter 10 in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. his hands on them. So why did the disciples try to stop people and try to rebuke them from coming to Jesus, right? That's the first question. Well, first it's this, the crowds, the parents of these kids were in the wrong, okay? They were. This was a theme all throughout Mark. If you read Mark, and if you remember, we actually preached through Mark a number of years ago, and the crowds are always Presented as a negative. Okay. The crowds would come and would try to try to force Jesus to be who they wanted him to be. They would have him do, you know, dog and pony show, do some different tricks and do his all his miracles. And so that's why he's often all started. He's hesitant and he's he's not because he's showing, listen, you can't form me in your image. You can't force me to do what you want. Me to do So the disciples are right in stopping these parents because what they're trying to do is they're viewing Jesus, like all throughout Mark happens, they're viewing Jesus as like a good look, luck charm. Oh, if we could just get close, enough, if we could get Jesus to touch our kids, they'll be blessed. Okay, like, again, not to, 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 to heal them to shape them to, 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 um, to give them his identity, not these things. But if we could just get him the good luck charm, the guru if you will, then we'll be good. And so the disciples rightly, you know, call out the parents, but they also prevent the children. And Jesus says, again, read with me this verse, where is it? Verse 15. And I would even encourage you if you underline things or circle things in your Bible to do this. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Well, what is it about kids that we should try to be like? Is it because they're cute? Well, let's be honest, right? Some kids are cute. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm not going to say who, right? But it's not. That's not. That's not it. It's not a given. And um, and is it? Are all kids cute all the time? Like, no. Oh, is it? I know. It's because they're innocent, right? Be innocent, like children. Well, I see a couple kids in here. Parents, like, are kids innocent? <laughs> no. Right? Doesn't take long for us to know that childlike innocence is kind of a fabrication. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's a filter, okay? It's not reality. It's not innocence, right? There's what is it though, about children that Jesus sees and says, these kids embody something. be like them. What is it? It's their vulnerability. It's their dependence. Okay, The word here, the word that is used for children, when he says, let the children come to me, um, it's actually the word is infants. And then in verse 15, when he says, unless you or whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, it's like an infant, right? I see an infant right here. What, what does an infant do? Nothing, <laughs> right? Goes to the bathroom, cries. It needs in, in, in Matthew chapter 5 verse three, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, "I love this verse, it's so shaping, it's the beginning where Jesus says he says, um, he says, "Blessed are right which is good, blessed, like taken care of are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit means paycheck to paycheck. It means I don't have anything. It means I start the new year recognizing I, I, I'm going to fail again. If left, I don't have these giant hands or this great intellect that can get the life or build the life that I want to have. I will ultimately fail on some level at some point if left to my own vices. An infant says, well, they don't say, right? But an infant without being fed won't eat. Right, An infant without being changed will just remain in its own filth. An infant without outside help is ultimately helpless. And Jesus says, be like that. That's how you receive the kingdom that I'm ushering in. The good life, the good news, the gospel that I've come to establish. Receive it like a child, like an infant, desperate and needy. And his whole point is, you are that way anyway, so recognize it, so acknowledge it. And then we, the author, contrasts that interaction with a very different one. Okay, pick up with me in verse 17. And as he, that's Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. So why why is Jesus like throwing shade on this guy, right? He's putting him in check. Like the guy called him good. What's wrong with that? Why did Jesus tell him, why are you calling me good? It's because Jesus, being the great heart surgeon that he is, knows where this guy's heart is. And what this guy's actually saying, he's coming up to Jesus, and it's, he's actually saying, Jesus, fellow good teacher, I, I, you're good, I'm good. I don't know about all these other guys, but we're good. And I just need a little bit of help. Um, what, what can I do? This year, what's it going to take for me to get over that little hump and get there? And be right there with you. Like, I'm close, we're close to equals, and I just need a little push, and then I'll be there. I'll be set, I'll be solid. And Jesus calls him out and says, No one is good. You're not good. Only God is good. And then Jesus goes on in verse 19, and he gives this guy a list. He says, You know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and your father. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Like you can picture this, right? It's as though he's saying, what do I need to do to get over the hump? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life, to be right there with you? What is it, Jesus? And then Jesus goes on in this list. He's like, well, um you know, do not m- murder. It's always that, by the way, right? If you ever ask someone, hey, why do you think you would spend eternity with God in, in, in heaven? Well, I haven't killed anyone. <laughs> good. Great standards. You've really set the bar there. Okay, good. Check. You haven't killed anyone. That's great. Okay. Don't murder. That's what it means to be a good person, <laughs> right? But so he starts there. Do not commit adultery, and Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, blows all these up, by the way, and says, if you are angry at someone unrighteously, it is as though you have committed murder. If you look after someone with lust, it is as though you've committed adultery against them. But either way, this guy's like, all right, check. It's like Jesus is going through this list, and you can... Picture him, he's like, all right, don't murder, check. Don't commit adultery, check. Honor your mother and father, check. He's like getting excited. He's like, okay, good, I'm, I'm there. What, what is good? Maybe I am already there. Maybe I just need a hug from Jesus and that's it. And then I'll feel better about myself and I'll be good, I'll be set. He's, he's excited. But then Jesus focuses in and he says, it says that Jesus looked at him. And he loved him. Okay, remember that. He loved him enough to give him the truth. He says, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So what's the main idea here? Don't be stingy. Add a zero to your tithe check, and uh, we're good. All right? <laughs> Amen? All right, let's pray. Right? Sometimes that's used. This is used that way. It's just presented as, oh, this is the finance one. You know, be more generous. Is No. For this guy, this wealthy young ruler... His identity, his purpose, his relationship with Jesus was built upon assumptions that that his finances and his standing in society, his relationship with God, with others, with himself, has to do with his financial security being a given. And Jesus points it out. He puts his finger on it, says this, this is your God. This is preventing you from going all in. You, you don't know your need from me. You don't know your dependence. You don't know your poverty before God because of your financial standing. Now, some of us, like I, I would guess that all of us on some level, finances, financial security would be difficult for us would be an area of focus in our lives but some more than others right some might be like that'd be awesome i don't have anything anyway in fact i'm in the black i'm in debt right now i'm negative i'm sorry i'm in the red see you you know how i grew up i don't even i get them mixed up right i'm in the red i don't have anything i'm poor what what does it mean what you know fine what we see in Jesus' different interactions, right? He's not, a, he's not a, um, a one-trick pony. He doesn't only call out finances. In, in financial idolatry, he calls out whatever it is that is keeping us, right? With the woman at the well that we just looked at in John chapter 4. Right, where you see in different places. In her case, it was there were all the things, the sins that she had committed, the sins that had been committed against her, her absolute fear of, of 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 functioning in a very difficult society outside of marriage. So she had a a right fear, a a justifiable fear, if you will. But still, that was keeping her from 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 relating with with Christ and from seeing Christ for who He is. And so He loved her enough to speak into it to give her the hard news the bad news before the good news okay i want to be honest here if you're a part of redemption if you're considering being a part of redemption if you stumbled upon this youtube video right where wherever it is you need to hear that outside of jesus and his intervention you and i are hopeless and helpless and will ultimately be left wanting It is absolute futility to pretend that all we need is a little help over the hump. No, we are desperately helpless and hopeless. And, and, and like me thinking, oh, the next fan's gonna be the one, then I'll feel like my home is in order and I can sleep good at night and it's good, right? That's, when I talk about the love-hate, it's because I can get so obsessive over what's the next thing? Once I do this next thing, then I'll be set. And we all do that in something. For this guy, it's my financial security, my, my standing in society is such that um, I, I have to have it. And if that's taken away, I'll be devastated. And that usually the other side of that coin is, and if I just get a little more, I'll be set. And let me ask, what is it for you? What is it for you that if pressed, you say, no, not that. Jesus says, that's your God. You might not confess it with your mouth, But functionally, practically, your life is shaped around the belief that if that were taken away, you would be devastated. So that's off limits. That's that's kept away from the light of the gospel. Or the flip side of that. If I had that, then I would be set. And let me I just want to ask you, I don't know what it is for you. I know some of them for me. I don't even know all of them. But as I prayed earlier, I trust that the Holy Spirit is poking his finger, saying this. You, you orient your life around this. Church, as I prepare for this, I'm convicted, right? I, I have, we have, how long has COVID been going on, by the way? I don't know, 12 years, <laughs> right? <laughs> However many months it's been going on, We've talked about the church has been exposed, has been refined, our church individually and I think the church in general, of which we're a part. Okay, I don't want to try to ever stand above or outside of the church back. Oh, the church today, it's like you're talking like it's you're not a part of the family. The church, us. A lot of things have been exposed and revealed. And one is, I think like this rich young ruler, we have come to churches and and and, and bought into theologies and signed off on things that are the ones that we feel like we've nailed. Right? Don't commit mur- murder. Check. I don't struggle with that. Check. Don't commit adultery. Check. I used to struggle with that, but I've got that one beat. So churches that are strong on sexual purity, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. Check. Um, don't uh, uh, or do honor your mother and your father. Great. I do that. That one comes fairly easy for me. Check. I'm going to find a church where I can really, where those sins are called out and I can, I can be all in on those. But then here he talks about finances and financial idolatry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you got to start talking about money all of a sudden? right? We see it here. Do you see it with me? When we look at it, it's so plain. We play duck, duck, damn with sins. That sin, that sin, and that sin. Go ahead and talk about that. I'll say amen. I'll stand up and clap. I'll sing about it. Oh, but that sin, that's off limits. That's what's happening in this interaction. And hopefully it's heartbreaking. Jesus loved this guy. He went away sad, and Jesus grieved that. He constantly does. He doesn't say, "Fine, you know, good. to hell with you." He grieves it, but he loves too much to pretend that anything else will suffice. And so again, I want you to hear that we're called as a church, redemption, Tucson Redemption Church as a whole, to truly live all of life all for Jesus. What does that mean? What aspect of life can we put on the shelf? None. Amen? All right. We, w- that means it's going to be uncomfortable. That means there will be things that there will be one Sunday when I'm sitting there and someone else is preaching and I'm like, amen, amen. So I get that. Preach. Preach. Preacher, I can't say that. No. Yeah. Call us out on that. And then the next Sunday might be something that I'm like, oh, whoa. It's a little uncomfortable. Please don't talk about that. <laughs> you know, keep keep quiet. You know? We saw that in Ephesians. When we were preaching through Ephesians, it was like Ephesians chapter 1. We had people, amen, amen. Preach. Send an email. Thank you for that. Ephesians chapter 2. Whoa, all of a sudden, you're not... Uh, I'm, I'm worried you're straying from the scriptures. It's like, dude, same book, same author. Uh, just <laughs> preaching the word. All right? And I just want to be honest. That's who we're called to be as a church. Let me... Share with you a quote I read from this guy, James Edwards. He says, This the call to follow Jesus does not constitute an additional obligation in life, but rather judges, replaces, and subordinates all obligations and allegiances to the one who says, Follow me. If you try to squeeze Jesus into your life, you will eventually squeeze him out. But his call for us to follow him is that everything, every idea, every identity, every relationship, every goal, every aspiration, every political ideology, every plan for our future, everything submits to the lordship of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. It says, every aspect of my life is brought before you, Jesus, and what you say about it is good, is good. What you say about it is broken and needs to be submitted to you, confessed to you. I I will do that. As you reveal it to me, I submit to you. All my life is yours. Take it. Church, will you and I commit to being a church that go all in in surrendering to Jesus and recognizing our desperate need for Jesus and acknowledging we're not going to think our way into effectiveness, into more glory, into growth, into joy, into faithfulness, into whatever? No. It means we humbly come and say, God, outside of your intervention, We, I, am helpless and hopeless. But Lord, through you, through your kingdom, through our dependence on you, you will do great things. You will set us free. Jesus calls out these these false gods that we give ourselves to because he loves us. Just like with this rich young ruler. Compelled by love, he says, Go sell everything and give it to the poor. And then you will recognize your treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Jesus loves us too much to allow us to settle. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will love the one and despise the other or you will despise the one and love the other. You can't serve Jesus and anything else. And we're about to sing this song, Break Every Chain. In love, hear me, Jesus knows he's the only true, loving, providing master. What else that you and I give our lives to will ultimately die for us? What else that we give ourselves to or orient our lives around will satisfy and fulfill and we will say, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We'll say, father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus alone can break the chains of mastery of anything else that we try to find life, purpose, identity, and meaning in including ourself and our own power and our own autonomy over our lives. So let us pray and respond in submission to our loving God, Jesus, who gave himself for us. Father, thank you that you know what we need. Lord, I pray that we will be truly poor in spirit, not by our own effort. Lord, I pray that we will be humble, but not because we try harder to be more humble than everybody else but Lord, that we are so fixated on you, Jesus, and your love and your provision, how that we just give ourselves to you, that we surrender to you, that we find ourselves in you, that we as Redemption Tucson are truly committed to your glory and the good of our city. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in us Right now, individually and corporately as a church, or for those at home, for 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 us is whoever is a part of Redemption Tucson. Lord, will you shape us in your image? Will we take our marching orders from Jesus, who did not consider what he had something to be grasped, but gave it up for the good of those whom he loves? Lord, will we find ourselves fully provided for in you, in your grace? your undeserved favor. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.